0: This is Josh Levent, and you're listening to Humans, a podcast for people who want the world to slow down and become more human. Welcome to episode one. Today, I'm speaking with Francis Rafal. Francis is a young Austrian filmmaker and entrepreneur. When I first met him in May of 2018, what struck me immediately was his playfulness. That's something that comes across in our conversation today, and what I think makes him deeply human. The other thing that makes Francis human is his failure. He almost went bankrupt a couple of years ago after several financial problems in his business. This is something we talk about in detail in our conversation today. We were able to have this conversation on a boat on Lake Geneva in September of 2018. There was a lot of people around us which created some background noise. I hope you can enjoy this ambience rather than letting it distract you. And now I bring you Francis Rafal.
1: Welcome Francis, welcome to, to, to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, this is this is really exciting. So, you're my first guest, and I think what we do today will define the podcast okay. <laughs> for the rest of time. No, uh, for maybe for the first season. And so, your name is Francis Raphael. Do you have you have a middle name? Yes, Johann. Johann. Johann <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Okay. Super super German name. <laughs> so uh, you're Austrian. We should we should say so. Um, Francis, Johann. Johann, I think is even even more an Austrian name than a German name. I guess.
2: Yeah, I believe so. My, it's, my, my, it's, fa- my name is actually a fuck-up. <laughs> oh, really? Your <laughs> yes. parents made a mistake? Yeah, like my father wanted to name me after my grandparents. And my f- uh, grandpa's name was Francisco. And uh-huh. my grandma's name was Juanita. And he wanted to make it male and also German or Austrian. Right. So for the second name, it worked. Juanita uh, became Johann. Right. But for the first name, he didn't know that the German version of Francisco is Franz or Franciscus. That's why he didn't call me Francis francis which would be like the english english equivalent but he called me like german francis (laughs) which doesn't exist so he thought like he he he, uh really did a good job, but actually it's a fuck up. So, <laughs> so this is
1: not this is not a re- that's not not a real name. Basically, he just invented yeah. it. Although, but, yeah, but I think exactly. I've, I have met other people who are called Francis, but but yeah, I guess not. But German. Francis,
2: not Francis. <laughs> so I see. Okay. He,
1: he has it with the rolling R. Ah, Francis. Yes. I see. Okay, so so you should have been called Franz, uh, but you're called Fra- <laughs> Francis. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. So which is you know a nice segue because I want to start with with your with your origin story. So can you tell me about about uh, your grandparents and your and your parents? Um, mm-hmm. Uh where are they from and, and, and what 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 did they do what in their lives and
2: yeah so I always say I'm an Austrian I'm, I'm 26 years old but my parents were imported from the Philippines <laughs> uh, which basically means like they were really imported because uh, the Austrian government in the 70s and 80s they had a lack of medical staff actually uh-huh. and my mom was a midwife and she was one of um and the, the Austrian government had an agreement with the Philippine government to actually import um, workers from the Philippines to Austria wow. so like I think it was 150 Filipinos and Filipinas who came to Austria. Wow! And um, like my aunt was also one of them. And she told me like, she heard, she heard about the opportunity. And they asked her, hey, do you want to go to Austria? Next week, uh, the flight's going next week. Wow. And she said, yes. <laughs> and then like the next week she was in the, in the plane going to Austria. And then she arrived there. They picked her up with uh, 10 other Filipinas. They brought her to their homes. They told them, this is where you're going to live. And uh, the next day, they started working. They wow. didn't know any German. They didn't know like anything about what's going to happen here. But the Austrian government really took good care of them. So yeah. they got every social security, every um, worker here uh, receives. And that's actually why there are so many Filipinos in, uh, in Austria. And okay. my father like joined later okay. in, in the 90s. And my mother and my father met here. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, that's how they produced me. <laughs>
1: that's fantastic. And yeah. You, would you say that your parents are adventurous? Given um, that my father yeah. is, my mother not so much. So, so, yeah. so, so she came because your your aunt was like, "Hey, come with me." Or, yes, oh, yes, exactly, okay. exactly.
2: My mother was working as a teacher in the Philippines, but um, then like my aunt said, "No, you're gonna have to learn uh, being a midwife now. Just study, study this, okay. and then come to Austria."
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay, I see, that's, that's, a, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, and your father is adventurous, tell me more about that.
2: No, he was like, um, he studied veterinary medicine mm-hmm. and he just loves to travel. So he traveled like almost every region in the Philippines and also work related. But um, yeah, I think he, he's, just, he's just not afraid of failing or he's, he isn't afraid of anything in general. Like when he he wants to do something, he just does it. So yeah, he's kind of a role model to me um, in terms of that. He sa- he always says like, did you do something wrong or th- something bad? If no, then why why should you be ashamed or why shouldn't you try it or why should you shouldn't you do it? Yeah.
0: That's great. Do you
1: have a, a an interesting memory of, of of a time when you found out something incredible that your dad did where you thought, wow, I didn't I didn't know that my dad actually was that adventurous? Hmm. Good question
2: not regarding the adventurous part but like he had uh, six siblings i believe and when he was under under 10 um, his father died so my, my grandpa and like my grandma took him out of school so that uh, he could cook on the street to provide for the family, actually, at the age of under, t- he was six or seven, or nine wow. years old, I don't know. Wow. So that's when he, like, he had, he cooked pancakes and xopao, uh, which is like a Philippine a Philippine dish, and he did it, like, for a couple of years, providing for the family uh, family when he was, like, super young. Wow. And, yeah, I, I couldn't even imagine that because, like, my parents provided me with one of the best childhoods, like the best childhood someone could imagine, like uh, grew up in the, one of the safest countries in the world, in Vienna, the most livable city in the world, which was elected by the Economist uh, now, and they provided me with everything I need for every opportunity. Like and he, like having to get out of school to provide for the family, and then later get back to school and try to catch up uh, with education with the others. It's that really surprised me and really impressed me.
1: It's interesting to have this kind of story and to imagine, wow, just one generation ago, it was really, really different from my mm-hmm. experience. Wow, that's cool. How, how far back do you remember? I have a really bad memory of my childhood, actually. But uh, do you remember th- things when you were three, four, five years old? I remember
2: them because my father took some videos. My ah, <laughs> like cool. shot some videos. <laughs> and I, I really remember my father was very eager in teaching me stuff. Like, he taught me. To play the piano at the age of two, I guess, but he didn't know how to play the piano. He just knew how to play the guitar by ear, and he didn't know like how to read notes. So he would uh, instead of teaching me notes because he didn't know that, he taught me uh, numbers at the age of two, like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and he put stickers on the on the piano. And he, like, he taught me a song like, uh, he wrote down numbers, like one, two, three, four, five, five, six, 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 five, and that's how I learned numbers and playing the piano uh, at the age shit. of two. And yeah, he ju- I think he just provided me with, with possibilities. He said, here, just pick it up or try it, whatever. And I, I luckily picked it up because I liked it. So um, you, you play yeah. piano now? Um, my main instrument now is the guitar. OK. But, so you check uh, out your father. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very exactly. right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But that's one I think I like this this childhood memory that my father really really taught me. He he taught also taught me to read at the age of I think four or, or five, and he taught me by uh, not the letters themselves, but he taught me like a in German is di uh-huh. Then du okay. And like when I went to school, I was only connecting the syllables and not like uh, yeah when I went to, to school at six. I was already able to read because of him, like, wow. and that really showed me. Okay, if you have someone in your family that r- is really able to be there and support you, it's it's crazy. You know? Like I'm so thankful for for that.
1: And I, w- what I heard in that is like he taught you some kind of chunking me- mechanism because most most young p- children don't learn a syllables at the beginning, right? That's something that you learn later. Yeah. But actually, yeah. if you learn at the beginning, I think it probably makes it easier. Yeah,
2: that's I don't know if it, it makes it easier, <laughs> but like. Yeah, cool. somehow
1: worked. Do you remember your first day at school? No, actually not. I but
2: I I remember at school is that once I I forgot my school uh, bag yeah. in the in the tram, and like I was crying all like for one hour at school, and my mother and father went to uh, the tram station and waited there to. Um, ask every tram that was passing by if they found a, wow. a school bag. And they waited there for like one hour and finally found it.
1: Wow, yeah. OK. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it was possible to do that in, in, in a big city like Vienna.
2: Yeah, I think it's possible because like the trains are, they, they need like one circles. hour. Yeah, yeah, I see. And yeah. people were still nice then, back then. Yeah,
1: They're probably. People still are still, that. Ba- yeah. still nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, did you have one of those uh, squ- uh, square boxy school bags? that they uh, have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because I, you know, I um was born in Germany and I um I did my first couple of years of school there and that was the a school bag that you had and when I moved to New Zealand that nobody had that like uh, this didn't exist these kind of square boxy mm-hmm. school bags mm-hmm. but that's a very I guess that's a, a German uh German speaking uh, uh, region thing. Mm-hmm. Did you also get one of those uh, school um Tüte like yes. a Schultüte? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was full of chocolate and all kinds of unhealthy stuff. Like so f- <laughs> for those who don't know, that's a German tradition where on the first day of school or a German speaking tradition where on the first day of school you get like a, a, a bag filled with candy or filled with something, uh, yeah, interesting. So uh, w- w- uh, when you, in your first few years uh, at school, was there particular subjects that you were very good at? I, I, I must admit like I had almost always like
2: uh, once, right. <laughs> is, is this like, like an, a? an A, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, also, when I graduated, I had like all A's over so i' I'm am, am super lucky that i was um, school was was really easy for me and more like a playground. but I always say it just happened to be that my learning style happened to match the the teaching style of the school right so because like like, the average person doesn't have, like, all uh, all A's, right? Yeah. But that means that the teaching style doesn't feed, uh, fit the average. Yeah, that's how so I see it. So I was yeah. just lucky enough to, to have that that type of brain that fits the the school system of the <laughs> 1800s or <laughs> 1900s. Yeah. Really interesting. Uh, but, like, I really love um, math and physics and all kinds of science stuff. That's why I studied physics later, so,
1: yeah. So, um... I don't know how it is in Austria, actually. what Do, do you have uh, three schools, like primary, middle, high school, or...?
2: Yeah, exactly. So we have the yeah, primary school, the middle school, and so the compulsory school is like nine years. Okay. And then after that you can choose between um, kind of a hybrid of uh, general um, education and uh, job-specific education, which is called... Um, Berufsbildende Schulen in German. So you can, for example, uh, learn to be an engineer or learn to be an uh, accountant. And this would be like five years after that. So you graduate at the age of 19. Or you can just uh, go to like the normal general uh, school, which is another four years, where you graduate at 18. And that's where I, I went to. And after that, you receive the matura, which is like... Uh, yeah,
1: you could call it A levels in, in the UK. In, in New Zealand, we call it like school leaving certificate. No, actually, that's at 15. You get that. Uh, yeah. It's a university entrance certificate. Yeah, exactly. So
2: with that, you can ac- actually access every university, uh, every public university in Austria for free. Um, for some, you have to take an exam to get in because there's so many people applying. But like having free education in Austria is like incredible because I know so many. Um, So many relatives of mine. I have so many cousins that live in the Philippines that don't have the same opportunity um, like me. And the only reason for them not having that is that they were born in the Philippines and I was born here, but we share almost the same DNA. We share the same relatives. So I'm super privileged and super lucky to, I basically won the lottery by being born in Vienna. Yeah,
1: yeah, as as all of us do here in in Europe, yeah it's, it's yeah, a great injustice that the whole world doesn't have access to these uh, things and these opportunities I'm curious at, at 8 years old what was your dream a, in life at eight, 8 years old yeah I have no idea actually anymore what, what, what would you spend your time on at, at 8 like your free time
2: free time at 8 I think I played Pokemon
1: oh ok cool <laughs> like uh, the video game or the card y- game yeah n- both the okay. card game and
2: the video game on the Game Boy, yeah. exactly. And uh, like at the age of nine, at least that's when I got my first computer. So I was super lucky again that like uh, my uh, my cousin's father had a, a computer company, and they had an old Windows 95 computer. Yeah. And they um, they just gave it to me, wow. and I didn't even have internet, but. Um, like I had uh, access to a, com- a computer at school, and had like um, a computer course, um, like a voluntary computer course mm-hmm. there, where you c- could opt in at the age of nine. Mm-hmm. And I saw, like, I think it was the Google Google website, yeah. and I tr- I learned HTML there. Because uh, and then try to recreate just the Google uh, homepage <laughs> on my on my computer back home so that I could uh, show my parents hey I have internet, we have internet. <laughs> yes, yes. that's incredible but they didn't even know what internet internet was oh, so really? like, okay yeah, yeah.
1: that would have been uh, two thousand three I guess yeah, that's that, um, I cut your age correct yes no, two thousand two I guess something like that yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty much the age that I also started getting. I'm a little bit older than you, but that, I was 12 then, so. That,
2: it, what, what did you start doing? That, When
1: I started coding HTML, Aha, yeah. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very cool, yeah. yeah. Um, the internet was just starting to kick off, I guess, in 2000, early 2000, 2001, you know. Yeah. Like, my dad actually lost a lot of money in the dot .com crash. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, <laughs> he, he thought it was, well, well, like, you know, it was kind of obvious, actually, that it was going to change the world, but um, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a bubble, and a lot of people lost money. Um, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so you, you started uh, coding HTML at, at, at eight, you started, you got a computer or no, nine? I was, I was nine, nine, I, believe, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And um, did you do sports at that age? Uh,
2: yes, I started playing basketball at the school team first and then went to a club. Okay. Uh, like, I played it at, uh, until the age of 18, but that's when I stopped because I was, um, I was involved in the students' representative or students' council in Austria, and I thought like, okay, this is more important in sports. Okay. <laughs> but right. after that, I got super fat. Oh no. <laughs> and um, yeah, now I'm actually working out again, but stopped playing basketball. But yeah, basketball was actually a super cool thing to do.
1: Yeah. yeah. And did you uh, w- were you passionate about some instrument at that point? Uh, you were playing guitar. Yes, I started already?
2: playing in the school band mm-hmm. at the age of. 10 or 11 i believe but i played the piano for two years but my father always tried to get me to play the guitar Um, but i didn't want to play the guitar i was super passionate about the piano but then like i saw at at school that one of my my classmates she was playing the guitar and then there was another one playing playing the guitar and everybody thought he was a rock star because like he was this super cool guy and i thought okay i also want to play the guitar
1: (laughs) And be the super cool guy.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I asked my father, "Hey, Dad, please, can you show me like the first three chords?" And he showed me some chords, and then like I bought my first um, music CD, my music album, okay. and then tried to listen to that and tried to pick uh, pick up like what's what they're playing and try to recreate it on the guitar. That's, that's actually amazing. how I learned the guitar. And then I think YouTube was already coming up, uh-huh. and then I watched like so many YouTube tutorials. I spent. Year, I, I believe it must be. It, it's already like years that I spent watching YouTube wow. <laughs> with all kinds of tutorials, and that's how I learned. That's how I learned almost everything <laughs> I'm doing. No. So. That's crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's in, incredible to imagine like what, what how we how our lives would have gone without without YouTube and Wikipedia. Yeah. That's for me like the two sources of knowledge that have changed my life.
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy. No, I'm also like I think I feel like I was born in the right time. Yeah. So that I have I have almost every resource that I need to learn what I want to learn, and it's just it's just in my pocket. And like, of course, I'm doing this to procrastinate all the time, mm. <laughs> because if I should be working, then I'm learning new stuff. But like, it's still procrastination because it's still not doing what I should be doing. But. It's um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: I've, re- I've read some, some research about this, that mm-hmm. um, this kind of uh, unproductive time is actually uh, something that makes, um, makes people more creative, and mm-hmm. um, so if you, if you are a creative person, you need, you need that time, yeah, you, need yeah. the, you need the unproductive time, the research, the uh, reading all sorts of random things or playing around with random things that don't connect to what you're trying to do, but uh, give you ideas and, and give you totally new insights. Definitely. Definitely. Totally agree. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, so you were, you were you were at the age of 11, you were playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you still coding at that point?
2: Yes, but until the age of 12 or so, and then I stopped. Mm-hmm. So I I started learning PHP, but then I really didn't continue it because really yeah, I, I don't know anymore. Yeah, I focused on basketball and music
1: actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: I picked it up later again, but uh, I actually stopped at the age of 12.
1: Yeah. I and, and when did you start getting into um, kind of student politics or kind of volunteering?
2: Yeah, it was at the age of sixteen when i um, think i was yeah I was elected as head boy of mm-hmm. my school, and yeah it was i don't know why I actually um, like tried to get myself voted i don't know like how, how yeah. to express it, but I just felt like it's possible just try it and yeah. then people voted for me, and then I came into touch with. A students' organization in Austria that uh, was working in all like regions or provinces in, in Austria, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's when I, I got in touch with a lot of young people uh, at the age of like fourteen to twenty-one, twenty-two, mm-hmm. who were all working together on one goal, which is improve um, improve the school, s- school system, wow. and. That was actually the first time I I got in touch with the idea of, okay, everybody has unique skills and if you cooperate and collaborate and bring those skills together and put together such diverse people, Mm -hmm. then you can actually achieve things that you wouldn't be able to achieve uh, alone. And I was so hooked by that and um, went to a lot of seminars where um, I learned about public speaking, about self-marketing, about how to work in teams together, um, how to facilitate retreats, how to do marketing and pitch something. And that's actually when I first, uh, when I shot my first video. Because at, at these seminars, they were always, like, from Friday to Sunday, there was all, always one guy with a camera shooting all day mm-hmm. uh, from Friday to Saturday night. And then overnight, he would edit a video and present it uh, on Sunday, wow. like, 2, two PM. Wow. And I was so, so um, amazed by yeah. that, yes. Yeah. So I said, like, at one of the next seminars, I just got uh, brought the camera of my father. Yeah. And uh, it was like a mini DV camera, one of these. Uh-huh. S- Super small digital camera, but yeah. with cassettes. Uh, so, yeah. like if you wanted to. Like a Mini trans- 8 cassette? <laughs> <Exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you wanted to transfer the video to your computer, mm-hmm. then you would have to, re- if it was a one hour video, yeah. then you needed one hour to transfer it because right. the, the cassette it, was running.
1: Yeah, was- <laughs> exactly.
2: So um yeah i sh- actually shot my first video there i just um we just handed the camera around everybody just was just shooting with the the camera mm-hmm. and then on saturday evening i just asked okay what are, what are we gonna do with this now and then we said okay i have time i could edit the video but yeah. i didn't know how to edit the video wow. so one of our teammates at the students uh, council he he had a laptop with pinnacle studio editing software okay didn't know anything about it and i just started editing and he just sat here,
1: try this, and he yeah, exactly. figured out how to edit. Yeah, <laughs> wow. computer
2: crashed like three times in the yeah. night, but I started like on Saturday 11 p.m. until Sunday 2 uh, 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah, 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. and basically that was <laughs> first time I really just didn't sleep and work on it, but I was in such a flow state yeah. that yeah. I forgot everything around me, and the result was like. I was, I was um, so happy that okay. I was able to produce that. And the response um, of the participants in the seminar they w- was incredible. Yeah. And that really motivated me to, to pick this up.
1: Amazing. Was that, is that yeah. your first memory of having a flow experience?
2: No, I think like playing the guitar oh, yeah. always um, provided me with a flow experience. That's why I still play the guitar, okay. because it's such an um, like I still ima- one of my goals is still until 35 to become financially independent okay um so that i don't have to work anymore right and um, i always thought that after that i will work on bigger projects yeah but like for a couple of months now i think i'm i'm okay with uh at the age of 35 then for example just only playing the guitar all day Mm -hmm. or just (laughs) dancing all day because it's it's incredible that this is so fulfilling from the inside Mm. um yeah I, i don't need anyone to listen to my music actually uh, when i'm playing the guitar to be happy about wow. it. uh, That's incredible. but it's still cool to have uh, you know okay, people yeah, uh, co- singing with you and dancing and so yeah. on it's super it's super it's exciting but um just the uh, the the skill of having thoughts in your mind like a melody and being able to execute it uh, with your fingers and mm-hmm. producing sounds right it's incredible that it's you, that act of creation exactly yeah. and the yeah. connection between your brain and uh, and like the physical environment to uh, to make your thoughts a reality instantly yeah. that's what what's
1: really right you don't get that when like. you edit videos it doesn't it's not so yes instant. exactly yeah.
2: because it's a long process except yeah. when if we do live streams
1: yeah <laughs> how did that evolve when you when you left high school what happened
2: happened. I w- first went to civil service. Mm-hmm. Um, in Austria, we have like, you can choose between uh, going to the army and uh, military service and civil service. Military okay. service is six months, civil service is nine months. And I went to, um, it's called the Wiener Hilfswerk, uh, where I basically learned to be um, a houseman. Okay. <laughs> I learned like to, to iron, I learned to uh, d- do laundry. <laughs> but it was, it was really cool because I had all the... Opportunities to contribute to whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. So in the end, like after four months um, or five months, I ended up um, leading the computer courses for uh, seventy plus or uh, sixty or seventy plus people.
1: Wow! And I bet you learn a lot about computers trying to teach it. Yes. To, yeah.
2: Yes. To so yeah. Actually, like one of the most amazing things was that it was really hard for them to use a mouse yeah. because they would uh, move the mouse around then raise their hand from the mouse and then use one finger and click on <laughs> okay. it like, uh, like shooting with an arrow or a bullet on, on it right. and by that they would move the mouse and, and it wouldn't, wouldn't work yeah. and then I realized like one of my colleagues uh, told me let them play solitaire and that's okay. The first time I realized why solitaire was uh, on Microsoft computers because it's there to teach people how to use the mouse and how to drag and drop, right. and like letting them play one hour uh, of solitaire really, um, yeah, it it really taught them how to how to w- navigate the, the user interface. Wow,
1: I never thought about that. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So after civil service, I. Um, Went to the University of Vienna, mm-hmm. so I started studying physics and um, media informatics. I think okay. that's the that's the right translation. That, that
1: was based out of your interest in in, in you. You had by, by that point already started yeah. doing a lot of video editing. Exactly. And S- yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So I was already doing uh, video projects, but like almost private projects or projects for the for the students' representative yeah. body. But when I. I wanted to study physics because I just wanted to understand the world. Yeah. So I think there's so many things that we don't understand in the universe. But at least I want to understand a little bit of it. Right. That's why I started studying physics. But I, was so, I wasn't I was really sure if physics was the right thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was also working with, with films yeah. and also had this urge to learn to code. That's yeah. why I also um, inscribed, is this the word? Signed
1: up for? Yeah, signed up for, yeah, signed
2: up for, for media IT. Yeah. But yeah, so I just gave myself a deadline, six months. After six months, I'm going to decide uh, if I'm going to continue physics or, uh, or IT. And after six months, I decided for physics.
1: Interesting. I, I voted for physics. So, so, uh, actually, can, can we go back to high school? Yeah. How was your, what was your relationship with, with physics in high school?
2: Oh, yes. Um, I had an amazing teacher at right. school at the age of when I was 15 to 18. She actually saw my, my talent in physics and okay. she um, encouraged me to participate in the physics Olymp- uh, Olymp- like Olympics. Olympics? Yeah, physics yeah. Olympics. Cool.
0: At this point, we took a break for dinner. 45 minutes later, we returned for the second half of our conversation.
1: So, well, we, before the break, we were talking about uh, your your childhood and, and about your experience uh, um, st- starting in, in the kind of student organizations as uh, first as a head boy and then working in kind of as a, as a volunteer in the student mm-hmm. organizations. I guess um, you st- got your interest in filmmaking there. You you started editing movies, and you uh, got your interest in physics in high school. I think that's where we, where we left off. Exactly, you were telling yeah. me about. Um, how in f- you went to the? Uh, that's actually why I want to know more about the the um, physics Olympics. Mm-hmm. So you went to the you went to the physics Olympics. Uh, you you didn't perform as well as you expected. But uh, what, what, actually, I, I still don't get it. What uh, how, how do they, is it just a, like an exam that everybody takes the same exam? Yes. Okay.
2: Yes, it's like an exam, but uh, with. Like the level of the questions is similar to undergraduate um, physics level, like bachelor, uh, bachelor physics level. Right. But you're taking in the exam school. like under the age of uh, 18 in high school.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's really challenging stuff. And if you don't study outside of what you're learning in the classroom, you're not going to do very well. I guess that's yeah. why why it wasn't so successful you, for you. You were telling me school was so easy for you from the very beginning. I sure. guess. That you didn't really have this incentive to kind of like go beyond the material because it was uh, you, you didn't need to spend that much time on the school to begin with, exactly. um, which I had a very similar experience like that. Mm-hmm. I, my my grade every year in high school my grades got slightly worse because I uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't doing any studying and uh, mm-hmm. when you don't lo- study then uh, I guess you 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 don't keep learning.
2: <laughs> yes, no, I was I was super lazy always always I've always been a procrastinator mm-hmm. um, and like the bad thing was actually that. I always, uh, I always went through it, like it, it always worked. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, I sent in all my home exercise at the last minute and mm-hmm. still got good grades. Yeah. but like, there were s- but there were some experiences in my life where I really learned, okay, talent is not everything. Yeah. actually the, pr- the people who are most successful are the people who are I don't only know it in German, like uh, how are working with the most ambition on their, on their goals they want to achieve
0: right. You have
2: uh, to have a,
1: a sense of drive somehow. Yes. Exactly. I'm actually curious and about talent that. Talent is
2: not enough. That's, that's, that's the main
1: yeah. lesson. And you, you obviously have a lot of drive. Do you, do you know where that comes from? Um,
2: I I think it's from my parents. Mm-hmm. Like my father always, he always said you have to be the best, and number one. Like it's an Asian thing because like... Okay. <laughs> Like, um, you always have the pressure from home to excel um, in academia and in your job and stuff like that. But the thing was that it actually, I actually enjoyed it. So that's why I think I had that. And like, I was always having flow experiences when I learned something new. And that's why I just, I'm still, I still love learning new things every day. And just by doing that, somehow I am super lucky to be uh, able to live off what I enjoy yeah but that's just it's just a side effect basically by
1: uh, of what I'm doing so. yeah that's really cool and so wh- wh- where did the, the, the interest in physics uh, start was mm-hmm. and, and was there a pr- kind of precursor to that in, in mathematics was, was that a subject that you always interested you yeah I was uh, I really loved mathematics because it was logical,
2: yeah. <laughs> and I liked logical stuff. Yeah. I actually didn't like physics in the first, like when from the age of 10 to 12, that, or 11 to 13. That was uh, when I had the first physics lessons at school. Yeah. But I didn't like my physics teacher back then. Okay, but like at the age of 15, I had a really good physics teacher yeah. uh, who was had a good sense of humor and like. Um, yeah, was she was really cool the power and really of good, good teachers. At, at teaching. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like,
1: it makes such a I, I, I think that's the case for so many people that I talk to. It's their their um, passion in some field comes from some yes. great teacher that they had.
2: Yeah, and that's what what really motivated me. And um, I just realized, wow, okay, it's cool to to be able to um, look at something in nature, for example, then try to figure out, okay, why does it work like how yeah. it works. Mm-hmm and then come up with a model for that and make predictions yeah and uh, and the predictions then actually happen yeah that's crazy it's like fortune telling yeah. right because you can uh, you what what physics is it's basically fortune telling yeah. like if you look at uh, the middle ages um, like if someone could say okay the, the sun's gonna be darkened like this evening right uh, or no like um, yeah, on a like specific day. today, yes. Yeah. Uh, when we, when they had like a... Uh, Solar so, eclipse. Yes. Yeah, so like yeah. <laughs> I'm lacking so many <laughs> words. Solar eclipse.
1: Sonnenfinsternis. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah, it's fortune telling actually, yeah. right? Yeah. But um, then we find out, okay, it's not fortune telling, it's actually based on calculations right. uh, on our models of reality. Of course, it's just a representation of, of reality, but um, being able to, to get such insights of nature to be able to do that is fascinating.
1: Yeah. You know? So uh, yeah, I understand your interest in physics now because mm-hmm. that's the field where you can predict the most, I guess, and yeah. the most accurately.
2: Yeah. I, I still think <laughs> we know nothing. Yeah. And we have so uh, little influence on the universe because we're we're like kind of a fart in the universe. Mm-hmm. The whole humanity, whole yeah. earth. But yeah, still like the 0.000000% of the stuff we can influence. It's good to at least like take full advantage of that. Yeah. And be able to understand
1: that and and physics is is, is the discipline that's going to get us to live amongst the stars we were talking about yes. this before uh, before yeah. the podcast exactly yeah i, yeah, true. I love this idea that of, of us becoming multiplanetary, and i and i think you know there's a pretty strong abu- argument to be made that given that you no know, aliens have visited us that life and consciousness or intelligent life is extraordinarily rare and uh, that somehow we have a responsibility to to spread the light of consciousness to to the to the galaxy yes
2: but there might be another consciousness already that, there. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, and uh, maybe we, we meet one day in peace. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so you, you, you fell in love with, with physics in high school at f- age 15 um, and then yeah. you, uh, until you graduated high school, it was a, p- a passion of yours, would you say that?
2: Um, or just an interest? Just an interest, actually, yeah. yeah.
1: And then uh, uh, what was the decision to study that at university?
2: I just thought it was a cool subject.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as, as most 18-year-olds or or 17, yeah. how old were you when you went to university? 19. That so oh, was 19. after
2: civil service.
1: Right, that's right. You went yeah. to civil service first. And
2: also like why while, uh, while I was going to civil service, I also went to a train the trainer uh, education mm-hmm. at the students council where where I was um, yeah. a part of. and that was actually one of the most life-changing things I've ever done. Like Interesting. It, it was a 6-month training okay. uh, where we learned how to give seminars and yeah. how to teach people, learn about group dynamics, learn about uh, didactic uh, didactics on mm-hmm. um, how to design seminars so that it uh, fits for different learning types. Right. And then I like worked as a soft skills trainer for mm-hmm. I think two years or so, or three years.
0: As a volunteer. Um,
2: yes, volunteer. Right. Didn't, didn't earn any money in it. But um, yeah, I learned so much of that because um, it was mostly... Um, kind of a personality education so it it, it was mostly trying to train yourself and learn about yourself and that's when I learned about the value of feedback actually and Mm -hmm. being self-aware and reflecting uh, on yourself like uh, putting yourself out of your own shoes watching yourself being schizophrenic (laughs) (laughs) all the time and trying to uh, see the world through the eyes of your um, your, Person you're talking to, yeah. your own eyes, and eyes of someone who's not involved at all. Right. So that was really life-changing, and like all, um, almost all the work I'm doing now, like how I'm doing it, is fundamentally based on the trainer education, also my experience in the teams in the students council back then.
1: Wow, that's that's fascinating. We're talking about feedback, was there a feedback that early that you that you got a lot that that kind of really caused you to consider something about yourself or or something that you needed to learn?
2: something and well i needed to learn the talent isn't everything because in right. the trainer education like we had and we needed to file our ours like as a it was not a thesis but like uh we had to design some seminars right uh, to pass the the final exam okay and like i i really i had like one and a half months months to do it but like i mm-hmm. start only started 24 hours before that oh my god and I sent it in, and they said it's the best work you've ever done. they really? seen. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, it's just a joke I stole from Tim Urban, who gave a TED Talk on the mind of a uh, of master procrastinator. That's right. It I've was actually that, yeah. like they wanted to kick me out of, of right. that. Yeah. They
1: thought, what, what is this? This is not. This is not you. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is not the quality no, that we expect. They,
2: they said it. It was like uh, super bold and. Um, in German, it's Frech. Uh, frech, yeah. And frech um, head. Rude. Yeah, it was super rude what I did because yes. I had, like, the first eight pages, <laughs> which were really cool. But then, like, the, the other uh, ten pages were just, like, uh, headlines, uh, titles
0: <laughs> oh my God.
2: of the structure I wanted to fill in. And they said, like, the first eight pages are great, but, like, it's that's super rude what you've done. And if you don't change that, we're going to kick you out of, the, uh, of this. Yeah. Wow. Um, they give you sh-
1: so they, they give you a chance to resubmit? Yes, yes. Yeah,
2: so I resubmitted nice. and that's actually like, that's when I learned, okay, talent is not enough. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So chronologically, what happened next? You 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 went to university, you did your first year, and then you d- wanted to decide between physics and media informatics. And you mm-hmm. decided to go for physics.
2: Yes. So yeah, the the professors at uh, informatics, they weren't that good. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I um, continued physics. But then, like, at the same time, I founded my first company, mm-hmm. which was uh, Rafale Media, which was basically a media production company. I focused on just film production, graphics design and web design. Those were the three things I wanted to offer. Yeah. But it was only because um, like, I was already doing some jobs back then. Yeah. But I um, told one of the volunteers at civil service, who was already like 67 years old and he mm. used to be an, uh, an entrepreneur right. and he asked me how I was charging that and I told him well like I'm just invoicing uh, writing invoices yeah and he really shouted at me and told me that's not allowed it's prohibited you can't do that you need to uh, not file a company but register um, right. in German it's Gewerbe so uh, right. you, you register your craft uh, and, right. uh, and pay the taxes um, really
1: bureaucratic way of doing things, yeah. Yes. But, but okay, yeah, you, 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 can, you actually can't sell anything with, yeah. without, without having registered yourself yes, as a... Yes, exactly.
2: You can do it, like, once. Right. Uh, but uh, after a second time, it's uh, considered regularly. And if you do it regularly, wow. then it's called commercial. Right. And for uh, commercial business, you have to register it. Wow. So that's why uh, when he, he shouted at me <laughs> during civil service, that's the first time I started researching, okay, what... Have, do I have to do yeah. to found a business Crazy, and I just did it it's like you you go to the to the Wirtschaftskammer in Österreich the of Char- uh, Chamber uh, of uh, Commerce Chamber of Commerce yeah. exactly and you just say okay I want to start and it's like 10 minutes and then you have a company right. like for a sole propri- a proprietor right. it's yeah. super easy and super naive um had no idea what I was uh, going into, but like mm-hmm. the first two years, I was still living with my parents. Actually, it went really well. I was right. able to earn money and um, use this to invest in equipment. Cool. And then two years later, I um, met my co-founder um, for um, making the company bigger and focusing on only on film production. Okay. So we said we had the opportunity to go into an office wait hold on
1: but in those two years while yeah. you were you, you were finishing your physics degree is that exactly what yeah I was still studying and right. doing
2: that at the same time
1: and then uh, you graduated with your degree in physics no okay. because like
2: yeah. we wanted to make it bigger then like I found some physics students actually who joined the film production company
1: right right. <laughs> how, how, how long is a, is a bachelor in physics in in, the, in Austria
2: uh, like the three minimum years? requirement is three years right. exactly so 180 ECTS right. um, but when I quit I had, I had 100 ECTS um but it was, uh, yeah. It was like that was already like one year later after I, uh, after we moved into an office. Right. And okay. So you first yeah. started the
1: company. You were still studying, and you started. Uh- yes, I
2: was still studying.
1: Started the company,
2: and then after two years of studying and having the company, we uh, reorganized it into Rafael Studios. Right. Um, like I found four other people who, and in addition to my co-founder, to. Uh, invest into the company well wow. we had like a starting capital of i think sixty thousand euros yeah um that's that we put together yeah like the money i i saved and uh the, like some money at i made a business plan and like when i look at it now it's like what the fuck? how did they tr- what trust what were you me? thinking yeah <laughs> <laughs> like wow yeah really bad business
1: plan but um yeah we just can, wanted to can, can i ask you about th- the 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 um Splitting of the share—did you do that mm-hmm. purely by how much money each person put in? No,
2: it was uh, uh, split by money and how much work someone right. put in. So into.
1: you were as the as one of the founders who was putting full-time work into this yes. business. You got a larger share, exactly, and your co-founder yeah. got a larger share. Yeah, and then you had some passive investors as well. Exactly. Oh, really yes. interesting. Cool. Yeah,
2: and yeah, we started a company. First year went really well, and went better than our business plan actually. Wow. But then we realized, okay, the, the film business actually, there are two types of how you can work in the film industry regarding um, commercial film production. So yeah. I'm not talking about, uh, about like um, movies. Yes, movies, but like if you produce videos for social media or for whatever presentation or advertising, right. then the one business model is that, that's what I, I would call a videographer. That's okay. someone who does everything uh, him or herself right so and that could also be a company that does everything in-house so yeah. they have the editors and the c- a cameraman and you no know, no sound designers whatever in-house and they do everything okay so that you can start with as one person like I did or you can like make it bigger we, we were then a team like of the six co-founders and then like we had some freelancers working with us but uh, for the first year we had this business model the okay. other business model is working as Kind of a very specialized project manager. So, in all the like, all big commercials are produced like that. The film production company is uh, repre- represents some directors who have a very like unique visual style. Right. And the advertising agency creates the like strategy the whole campaign or, or the strategy, campaign. Mm-hmm. and they hire uh, the film production company based on which directors they represent. Um, for just the video just the 30 second commercial for example right so there's clients advertising agency and the
1: film production and And uh, the directors yes and the directors do do, do they the directors they work for the film production company or they are uh, contracted in
2: Um, they are just uh, they just have uh, representing contracts I don't know um, I don't know the word but they're just represented by the film production right but like our contracts were like if you um, we're pitching with you at right. the advertising agency. And the the ad agency usually like invites three, uh, three directors to write a so-called treatment, right. where they write, OK, this is how I would execute your idea, yeah. and this is what I would add to it. Right. And then um, when the director wins, then if our director wins, uh, he would be obliged to do film production your, with us. Right. Exactly. So yeah.
1: you're the, the uh, you might call it an agent or something that like that. E- exactly. But you yes. do more than that because you manage the project. Yeah. So after that,
2: right. we're an agent until we get the job, and after that, we produce everything. So there's usually just the, the executive producer who's therefore getting the uh, winning the pitch. Yeah. Um, or there's a, a, also a bidding producer, something like that. But okay. then after that, uh, we hire a producer, could be in-house producer or uh, an External producer, and that producer manages everything, like hiring production manager, hiring the director of photography, uh, hiring the um, production designer, uh, and like everyone from the high-level creative uh, people to the people really on the ground executing, like uh, lighting technicians or um, people uh, holding the cables. Yes, exactly. (laughs) uh, And they are just paid on a project uh, by project basis. They are not. permanently employed in right. company so these are the two business models okay. and we wanted to change from the videographer business model to the commercial film production
1: because that was a bigger project
2: exactly yeah. so right. the 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 average um, revenue for film production in the videographer business model is like 5,000 euros mm-hmm. at least in Austria it was like what we, we saw and the average uh, revenue for a commercial film production in the other business model was like 100,000 euros or 150,000 euros holy shit yeah but you only get like Ten percent, yes, ten percent of it. But it's still like better because you you, you, it's scalable, you know? Right. Because if you're doing everything yourself, it's really hard to scale. But if you're just representing and hiring people on when you win the bid, then so so, so, and
1: and at the end, you know, if I understand it correctly, after you've paid everyone, you have about ten percent left. Yes, exactly. Right. So you you make three times as much money but you do less work, essentially. Yes, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, that should. should be,
2: yeah. That's how it that's should theory, be. But yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the theory. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we tried to change the business model, and that's when we decided, okay, we're gonna hire six employees. So mm-hmm. um, some of them were freelancers that were that has, have been working with us for like a couple of months, like in the first year. Yeah. And the new employees. So we had six employees, and we had some interns, and like uh, one co-founder also started working in the company. And like we hired them in January two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. and in February two thousand fifteen we got a first job with the new business model. It was like budget of 80,000 80, euros. Uh, that was like the biggest budget we had done because like the revenue in the first year was only like 100,000 100, euros. Wow. So like in w- w- just with one project already eighty thousand euros. Holy crap! And we're super happy. Yeah. Wow. Okay, our plan. Uh, works actually yeah. we yeah. just changed uh, the website yeah like how we we just uh, structured it in a different way with like we have directors right and that's it, uh, uh, and, it just and then you had to do the
1: pictures exactly yeah. right. it, it
2: just didn't look like a videographer uh, website anymore we, d- right. we didn't put any text about us in it but just like our work like we just copied uh, like major film productions websites basically. Right.
1: Yeah. right and it worked wow and but, then uh, yeah. you got the first contract how did that how did the project go
2: Uh, It went really well. Went really well, but the problem was like twelve months later in December, um, (laughs) I found out that I that our company is almost bankrupt, (laughs) and that I should have fired half of the team in August.
1: Right. So what happened? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So so so, was the first project was that was that profitable? It was profitable. Yeah. But
2: uh, I did, like a couple of mistakes. Okay so the first mistake was actually and that's the major mistake um is that i didn't have a con- like controlling in
1: our company right we, so you so didn't I, know what how much money was coming in how much money was going out
2: no we, I, I knew that but like i didn't have the, the connection between the finance plan and the accounting okay so i wasn't able to to uh, check whether we were on track or not we right. were having revenue, but I didn't have like a, a cash flow plan. I didn't have, uh, and I didn't have controlling because I wrote the finance plan uh, when I didn't have any business lo- knowledge, right. and I just wrote it into accounts that made sense to me. Right. But like the account statements from the from the uh, from our tax advisors or our accountants looked completely different. You know? Right. And so there's no way to compare them. them. Exactly. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. And, and you then, didn't know whether it was good or not. Is that the
2: like I had, I had the feeling you had, feeling a, you that had a feeling
1: it was good. No, or, okay. I knew that something was going wrong. But like, in but how? When did you know that? How soon? In um, February, things were looking great.
2: No, I already knew it in uh, June okay. because uh, besides the commercial film production, we were also shooting short films. Okay. So we always wanted to like the basic idea was earn money with commercial film productions and invest it in short films and then eventually in a feature film.
1: Okay, but yeah. hold on. From February to June, yeah. things were going great. Yes. So you you how many in that time? How many uh, commercials did you do? Um, only only two. You're right. But oh, if yeah. they pay yeah. that yeah, much exactly. each, that's yeah. good. And yeah. and then you made some short films. Um, yes, we made some short films. So we
2: already produced like three short films, and then we produced, I think, our fourth short film started wow. in June,
1: July, August. And this is, these are these are not profit-making ventures. You yes, don't have a client, exactly. you just exactly. you enter them into film competitions or something. Yes, exactly. So
2: cool. of course we wanted to make them profitable, but nobody right. in the world actually kind of knows right. how to uh, pay for, or how to make a short film profitable. Right, yeah. Really, like, I think 99% of all, or more than 99% of all short films, um, Lose money, right? And it's basically just for learning. Yeah. But I think, I think something will change. I think. I future. think
1: Pixar started with uh, uh, yeah. short films, and then eventually they made uh, full feature films. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so from from February to June, everything was going great. Right. You made three, four short films. You made two commercials. You were earning money with the commercials. Yeah. And then in June, what happened? Uh, in June, yeah, we, we were focused on
2: the producing of the, of the short film. Yeah but the problem was really like we were so focused on that project that for three months we didn't pick up any uh we didn't accept any uh jobs like right. that it to make money yeah but and the problem was because of the first job like the eighty euro project the bank granted us um like an overdraft uh, in the bank accounts right because they knew we had the contract so that right. uh, they would pay but <laughs> the problem was like when the client paid I still used that overdraft to uh, pre-finance the, the short film. Right. But we were so into the project that we uh, didn't make any, any new revenue. Right. And I knew: okay, shit, I need it's to do something, tight. but like.
1: You have to finish this film.
2: Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. So my, my, my business card said CEO/slash producer. Right. And I was just ninety-five percent producer and five percent CEO right. when it should have been the other way around. Right. I, I, or, I really or at least
1: fifty-fifty or something. Yeah.
2: At least fifty-fifty. Yeah. Yes. But okay. like, I I didn't acknowledge my role as the CEO it's of ha- the it's company. It's as a small yeah.
1: company, right? You you, yeah. you 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 have a, some technical skill. You have some expertise, and you want to apply that in the business. You don't just no. want to be the CEO. How many people were you at that time?
2: We were um, six employees, yeah. and we had two interns no, or three
1: interns at that time six employees th- and you were one of the employees or uh, no you plus six yeah. and three interns yes and and uh, 5% CEO. Yes, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so sounds like a recipe for failure yeah. yeah so 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 you started noticing something was wrong in june
2: i think not in june i already knew that uh, these were like home that, that, that you, was you homework I needed it to do right. I already knew that when before, we before you were like yeah, I need to yeah. take on
1: a new project we need to have more cash coming in Yes, uh, exactly. we're working on the overdraft yeah. this needs to change at some point point. Yeah. and and then what happened you you talk on more commercial projects I guess yes
2: but there weren't coming um, as fast as you yeah, needed yeah exactly yeah. because like um, film production in Austria is very seasonal because of the weather uh-huh. yeah. so like uh, in autumn or winter there's not many projects going on right so like in December that's actually when I realized I sat down really for like 10, 20 hours or so and tried to merge my, um, my account statements with my, uh, my financial statements with the financial plan. And then suddenly, I had a system that worked for me mm-hmm. and it showed me, you're almost bankrupt. Right. <laughs> Which means like 90, 90%, almost 90% of the debt we were having now, uh,
1: we can't pay them within the next four weeks. When it was due, I guess. The, yes, the yes, exactly. And so you didn't have income coming in in the next month, you had debt yes. to repay, and yes. you were like, we're going to be illiquid yes. um, really fucking soon. Yes. <laughs> and what happened? Um,
2: I called my co-founder, yeah. and I told him it's this and that. That's my insight, and we need to fire some people. <laughs> right. And that's actually when we fired um, half of the team. Yeah. Like, the next day, we had a team meeting. And I told them about that, like, okay, sorry, I um, went through the numbers, and um, yeah, I think we can't... We can't pay salaries next month, basically, yeah. So we have to fire half of the team. How how,
1: how is that? How is the Austrian law with with firing? Uh, Um, What's the termination period? Yeah, it's actually... the contract, I guess. Yeah,
2: it's actually... Like, uh, the longer it gets, it's like three months, sometimes it's three months, but like, we only... Uh, Hired them for they had year yearly contract. So it Uh was like, okay, 12 months um so it was actually 12 months then. But we wanted Ah, so we, you had yeah. hired them
1: from January to December, yeah. and you were like, we're not renewing your contracts now. Yeah, because we, we don't wanted have... to renew. Like, sure. in November, sure.
2: we actually had a retreat where we decided, before I went the through the numbers, yeah. right. we decided even to like uh, raise the salaries oh, first, fuck. and number two, and and um, let them work for more hours, because some of them were not full time, some of right. them were like uh, 20 hours. Wow. <laughs> like, Three weeks later I told them I have to fire
1: you. Holy shit. And
2: like one of one of the guys we really, like most of them understood, but one guy told me, no, I can't accept that. Like three weeks ago you told me like I'm gonna have this and that next year I'm gonna have a permanent job. And yeah, that was like one of the hardest moments in my entire life to yeah. because we were all also friends, like super young people. Wow, yeah. And like telling them because the the reason was I fucked up. No, I fu- they didn't fuck up. I fucked up right. because I didn't do my job, which I was supposed to do. Right. And
1: they have to pay the price for it. Right. But that's the yeah. I mean, but you took you know, in your defense, <laughs> and in defense of entrepreneurship, <laughs> yeah. as an entrepreneur, you take those risks, and uh, you could have lost all, all the money that you put in the business. And yes. um, And yeah. uh, their relationship is, is uh, mediated through through the contract and yeah. Um, if you have to let them go because you, you can't make the numbers work then you yeah. have to let them go if they want to have control over that they need to run their own business yeah. i guess as as, uns- as as harsh as that sounds yes, as well because yes. I know that sounds yeah. harsh and um, but that's the kind of rea- so but uh, d- what, what, what y- did you were you able to make the debt payments H- how did that because you because uh, you also need mm-hmm. the, you need the team to 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 make the do, do the projects i guess exactly so,
2: so like we had um we had like around a hundred thousand euros of that back oh, then yeah and i was the only one of the of all the shareholders i was the only one personally liable for that
1: what, why is that yeah, so because you didn't we have were, lim-
2: we weren't a, li- a limited, limited li- uh, oh. a company we were a commanditgesellschaft in German, yes. which is a limited partnership right but at least one of uh partner has to be yes
1: has to be unlimited per- exactly right. yeah and i was Holy the li- <laughs> shit. yeah of course because you were the ceo yeah and right and but but your co-founder who was working in the business with yeah. you he was a limited partner as well. Yes, yes, that's right. really interesting. Wh- wh- yeah. Why? Because it um, no, normally people who work in the business are the managing partners. They yeah. are, um, they are liable usually. Yeah, no, it was just. Um, it was just that easy. was also
2: one thing f- uh, for me to have more shares. That's ah, a, I see. Yeah. Okay, exactly. so, so you ta-
1: said I'm going to take all full the risk and I'm going to take more of the more of the
0: shares. Yes, that's exactly, fair. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: um, yeah but it was still my responsibility uh, to do that. And um, yeah, we fired half of the team. And then worked our asses off to make it happen for like um, one year to pay off the debts and actually the debts went down. okay uh, but the problem was that my co-founder and I were working for a hundred hours a week for like almost a year wow. and then in November 2016, it was the first time where I had like uh, where I had a panic attack yeah it was like okay I was standing there and suddenly like my body started shaking and yeah. I. You were in the office? Yes, I was in the office doing nothing special. Okay. And like I started sweating, heartbeats started to rise. And both of us and, and my, my partner already had that, like before that. Oh, wow. For me, like two months before me. Right. And we, were, we weren't really able to work anymore. So we went to the office every day and we were there for 12 hours, but we were only able to work for one hour.
1: Yeah. And it was... So, but you had a project, a client project at that point? Yes. Yes, we wow. had a
2: client project.
1: Hey, how did, how did you... Was there Was there a client project that you felt that you really failed or fucked up because of...
2: Yeah, but not there. Not, not that there, one. Yeah. But like one year later, then I fucked up, I think even two client projects. Okay. But like I was getting point, worse and worse in yeah. like delivering on time. Yep. And then like making up excuses
1: right. and lying and... Yep. Uh, yeah, saying this and that. So... Uh, so, you you kept doing projects. You were working hundred hours a week yeah. in twenty sixteen, and then in what what is that October November twenty sixteen? You had a panic attack. Yes. And then did something change about the way that you worked?
2: Um. Well, I first I went to the doctor. Okay. Asked him. Okay, is something physically wrong with me? And he told me no, everything's right with you. And right. then I realized okay, it's something uh, like in my right. brain. And your doctor and
1: told you to stop working so hard.
2: Yes. He already told me like two years or okay. three years ago. Okay. Like.
1: Everybody told me, but like knowing right.
2: and doing are two and, and,
1: and at some point you had passion and love for your work. Of course. Did yeah. you do right. still have that there in the middle of the hundred hour work weeks and the panic attacks? Um, or did you lose some of that passion no. as well?
2: I actually lost the passion but I only ha- I was only like fighting to <laughs> to pay
1: this debt and
0: right. to
2: to survive
1: actually.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I'm I'm really curious about this because sometimes like in those moments when I push into the corner, we do some really amazing work, mm-hmm. and sometimes we, we we start really performing poorly. What what did you experience?
2: Um, first, I it went really bad, but then like we got some new projects in January. Mm-hmm. Twenty seventeen, yeah, twenty seventeen. Right. Mm-hmm. We did them, but like. <laughs> Then suddenly, in March or in February, two of our clients for finished projects didn't pay us. Oh! So we went back to 100,000 euros of debt again.
0: Oh no! So one wh-
2: wh- wh- went bankrupt. Oh, one of them went bankrupt. Yes, and homes. the other one uh, we had a we had a lawsuit just this year. Uh, like one year later, they still didn't, haven't paid us. But uh, we won the lawsuit, so maybe like next <laughs> next month they gotta pay us. I don't know. Wow. Let's see. But uh, like so that really fucked me. That really fucked me. Right.
1: And um, that's... You've, so you, you've experienced every possible failure you can have. Your <laughs> your yeah. a mistake, but then that, but now the failure yes. of your customers on the market. Because cause sometimes, you know, that's something that as, as an entrepreneur also, like you, you, you think that you're so in control. This is what you learn mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur. You learn, yeah. uh, I control everything. You have to be responsible for everything. Yeah. And then something happens that's completely out of your control. True. and then you go, what the fuck?
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: and you never
2: calculate with that, yeah. like in the beginning. Now right. I now I know, okay, this Margin. can happen. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It. So what what happened then? Um, then I started to think about going to therapy, really, yeah. because I was I was really broke. I was super desperate, like hundred thousand years of that again, and I had personally no money anymore because I couldn't like pay my salary. Right. So <laughs> I started. <laughs>
1: Was really bad. Like so, in, in Austria, it's possible to declare personal bankruptcy, right? Yes. Was that ever something that you considered yes. doing? That was an option
2: because um, because we went to. Um,
1: you, I guess you didn't have like a whole lot of assets. I mean, you were not. Yes. yes. Yeah.
2: So the the commercial the chambers of commerce in in Austria has like for for companies who are struggling like free consultation regarding uh, bankruptcy. Right. So we went to a a lawyer who specialized in that. Wow. Well, and my partner and I, we asked her, okay. This is uh, the status quo. What are we gonna do? Yeah. Uh, what should we do? And she told us you can always file bankruptcy, but first um, talk to all the um, suppliers right. uh, to, to all the h- creditors. You, yeah, creditors. Yeah, and uh, ask them if you can make a plan uh, with them. Right, um, right. And we so did that. It was like ten, ten uh, creditors actually. Okay. I wrote every one of them an email. Uh, but the biggest creditor them.
1: was the bank, I guess, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they were able to extend your payment deadline. Yes, yes, or? yes, yes. Wow. Um, and by that, everyone agreed. Like from the
2: um, everyone from the social security, from uh, the finance um, ministry, yeah, uh, who we owe taxes to, everyone agreed to first for to a ten month plan. Wow. And that saved us. Wow. And yeah. also, like one month uh, like one week after the plan i received a job inquiry for an uh, animation video uh-huh. and like i budgeted it like for how i would budget an animation video uh, uh, where i would hire an animation uh, artist right a motion graphics artist and i budgeted it, like for fifteen thousand euros mm-hmm. and they said yes <laughs> because they really needed it uh, uh, like on at a short on a short notice right and but then I realized, okay, hey, I found a new plugin on the, on the internet. What if I try to learn it
1: right. <laughs> and just do it myself? And pay off 15000 in debt. Yes. Yeah.
2: And I spent just a, a whole night to learn that yeah. and built just a prototype for myself. And it worked. Like I, I, I knew, okay, I'm going to pull it off in a week. I can do it. Wow. It's going to be like a tough week, but I'm going to pull it off. Wow. And it really worked again, like for the first time in four months, like again, a hundred hour week. really uh yeah made that animation video
1: you were in a flow state that week
2: um not quite (laughs) not really it was really like dragging myself um to work every night and uh yeah with like one two hours of sleep i don't know
0: physically exhausting. yeah Yeah.
2: physically exhausting but that saved saved us like the plan and and that job yeah but then i actually um i told the shapers. Now we're coming back back to the global shapers Vienna hub. I was already part of it like since 2016, yeah. and uh, I wanted to start a project there. But I then told uh, the shapers at one hub meeting, "Hey, sorry guys, I need to step back from uh, this project because my company is almost bankrupt, yeah. and I am depressed. I have panic attacks, and I don't feel very good." Yeah. And that was actually the first time I opened up to to a, a bigger group, a larger group except to my my friends who are already open up to yeah and the next day they put together 600 euros to pay for my first six hours of psychotherapy wow it was crazy you know and i'm still super thankful for that help it's and also now in hindsight i realize the reason why i got out of that situation spoiler <laughs> no. is um because i have such a strong network of family and friends and and the shapers. Yeah. And another person who was in the same situation, but with, who, who doesn't have that kind of ne- network, that person probably would have died. Well, or like, I don't know, whatever, commit suicide or, or yeah. I don't know. Because like for me, like my thinking was really my life is over. Yeah. You know? Because so if I file personal bankruptcy, then like I right. have to pay off debts for 10 years. I can't start a new film production business. And right. I have
1: you have to get a job.
2: <laughs> Shock horn. Like, uh, to get a job. Yeah. No, I like. So did, uh, did you
1: actually? Uh, uh, did you ever have a part-time job while you were in school or studying?
2: Oh yes. No. Um. During my physics studies in my yeah. third year, I actually worked uh, as a physics teacher. Oh really? For one
1: year. In a high school or university? Uh,
2: in a high school, like for twelve to thirteen year uh, olds. Wow. Because uh, Austria had a l- had a lack of. Uh, physics, physics teachers, teachers. and wow. math teachers and my old headmaster asked me if I could come back to uh, my school and yeah. teach there for a year cool. and I said okay <laughs> why not
0: yeah why not and,
2: yeah. Yeah. and I did that and it was one of the most underestimated but most fulfilling jobs I've ever done in my life wow like, because like I, I taught 11 year olds who were like in the like 6th grade uh, and That's the first time you have physics uh, in high school in Austria, and that's basically like something like the first uh, contact with science or the scientific approach of like Mm -hmm. experimenting and doing that. Of course, uh, we already learned about about biology, like at the age of ten or so. Yeah, Uh, and also you don't learn
1: about the scientific method. Yes, exactly. And
2: And like my only goal was to um, to spark interest and um, yeah, spark the fire uh, in them. The and way that
1: the way that your physics teacher had done it, yeah. Yeah.
2: And I tried it, and like I, I, I also like conducted a teacher feedback like twice, mm-hmm. it, twice uh, in in a year. But I quit after you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like according to the feedback, at least it worked. Like a lot of them wow. really had a positive connection to, to science. Yeah. Don't know what what they are doing now, because most of them are probably graduating uh, this year or next year, uh, like uh, with their A levels. Yeah. Wow. But um, so. Yeah, but
1: and you, d- sure. and you did that uh, in your last year uh, of uh, university? Um, no, in my, sec- in my second year. In your second university. year. Exactly. Okay, and why did you stop then? Um, because
2: I wanted to focus on the company. Yeah. So yeah. I was running the company and was working and as studying, a physics teacher. And working as, as a student. physics teacher. And exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah crazy. Yeah.
1: Uh, and what was the reason for doing that?
2: Working as a physics teacher? Yeah. Because like it sounded cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was 20 or something, yeah. or 21. Yeah, wow. And, like, I just out of school and then now i have the opportunity to teach and i thought like okay because i was at the student's represent uh, i was a student's representative back then yeah i like you can change the system but i still believe the most uh, impact impactful thing you can do in the education system is to get good teachers into the classroom Cool. And I thought, okay, now I have the opportunity to actually have a real, a real impact or at least outcome yeah. uh, inside the classroom. Yeah. And I also like, I just finished my trainer education, and I right. thought, like, okay, maybe this is something that I can can use for right. for school because we were always designing the seminars, and the, the vision was always like okay we want the school to be like our seminars like uh how we how we teach soft skills yeah and i thought okay now there's opportunity you have to say yes and do that cool and but i learned like it's much more difficult than like a seminar because like you have 12 13 years old uh, year olds, and like it's like i I felt like a a magician or like a clown who has Mm -hmm. to constantly do like magic tricks and like let stuff explode or whatever because like if an experiment wasn't working and I just needed like 30 seconds to set something up yeah. people would already start like chatting and uh, whatever because their focus would be, would be gone so right. I really every lesson was like a show I, I yeah. needed to prepare everything perfectly of course didn't go well every time but like it yeah. was super challenging and I only taught like 5 classes a week but mm-hmm. <laughs> like after these 5 classes I was dead like wow I have so much respect for teachers uh, uh, since then, because cool. I really learned, okay, this is such a tough
1: job. Yeah, It's cr- crazy. Incredible. You, know? you kind of did your own uh, Teach for America. Have you <laughs> heard of this program? No. This is like, um, they have it in uh, New Zealand now as well, in Australia, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, it's kind of like, um, they get uh, young people like university students and actually university graduates mostly to work yeah. for a year in high schools uh and uh, yeah i guess mostly high schools uh, to kind of get an experience of being a teacher to inspire more young people to become teachers because there's a lack of good teachers as you mm-hmm. as exactly as you said yeah that's cool so but uh, yeah, I also noticed. I'm still curious, actually. What, what were you doing in the student organization? So, you you, you were a head boy in high school, and mm-hmm. then when you went to university, it was still the same organization. Or?
2: Yeah, but I was. I then went to the was kind of the national board, right? After school, yeah. But it wasn't um, like an official position anymore. It was. Um, part of um, like a private students association okay. but uh, there I was still like producing the videos uh, for them that's yeah. where I was still learning and doing like voluntary stuff but like at the age of I think 20 or 21 I quit, um, quit doing that.
1: Yeah. to keep also to focus on your business yes, exactly. yeah. and when did you join the sh- global shapers I joined them in 2016 how many years was that that was just a couple of years after you quit the student o- organization
2: yes and The reason actually was because one of uh, one friend of mine who was in that students um, association, she uh, told me, "Okay, the shapers are like <laughs> the like student, that. students council, but right. like only on a global level, and you're not only working on education, but on on like uh, other stuff." Right? Cool. So that's why I applied. But when I applied, like in the interview, I got to know, no, there nothing like that actually, because right. the Vienna Hub back then was only they weren't doing any projects. They we were only supporting each other in their their projects, right? And I thought, like, shit, that's not what I want to do. And w- actually, uh, I thought, okay, this would be something where I could do projects again. But still, then I thought, okay, I've been working in the film industry now, and I isolated myself. I quit my studies. Maybe I need to connect again with other people
1: uh-huh. outside of my my bubble. It was a good instinct, I guess, for later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and it was actually, that was actually a, a very good decision. Yes. Yeah. And. But I also understood, like, they explained it to me why they weren't doing any hub projects. Right. Because, like, uh, almost half of the people, almost half of the hub members were already social entrepreneurs. Right. And, like, the vision for the shapers uh, is to to improve the state of your community. Right? Yeah. And they were all already doing that in their day job. Right. So I really I really understood it, like, yeah. because um, the best thing to, uh, like, to increase our impact was to put our... Skills together, energy together, and help each other at uh, in the projects they, like they were already doing.
0: Yeah, makes sense.
2: But like later, then when I became curator, I said, "Okay, no, we need to, <laughs> okay. need to do projects." So
1: yeah. when did you become curator? Oh, now you're a curator now, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, so yeah. um, for those who listening who don't know what Global Shapers is, <laughs> yeah. what's your thirty-second pitch, and what does a curator do?
2: Yeah, the Global Shapers is a net network of young people in their twenties. Um, driven to take positive action um, in the world and basically it's the youth initiative of the World Economic Forum and the idea is to empower the voice of the youth basically and a curator like it's um, organized in hubs and in like a lot of cities around the world I think in 370 cities around the world there are hubs and the curator is basically um, the one facilitating the hub um, hub projects and the, the. hub structure and hub members. And like every hub can decide on which members they want to recruit and what kind of project they want to do. They just have to find out okay what's a problem we have in the community and what can we do about it together
1: as shapers. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you started actually going to therapy based on yeah. the Global Shapers paid for for your yeah. your 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 hub members the you, you, who I guess you became friends with over time yes. and um, they, 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 when you came to them and said guys I'm basically I have to file for bankruptcy I'm really stressing out I'm going crazy my business is failing I'm gonna and you told them you you have to have to leave the Global Shapers because I'm not, I'm not yeah not you know. the
2: Shapers but I have to step down from one project the project I, you were working yeah, on you you yeah. can't
1: do it anymore and they said um, they, they raised six hundred euros and said yeah. please go see a therapist, because yeah. um, we don't want you to...
2: Yeah, that, that, that was really crazy, like, um, yeah, I started going to therapy and also signed up for a burnout prevention program of yeah. um, the Austrian uh, social security system, mm-hmm. which is awesome because it's like a four-year program where you go on a retreat uh, for six months, uh, like every six months, Okay. and um, you only pay like, you're you there for like seven days um, mm-hmm. with other entrepreneurs. With like ten other entrepreneurs, and uh, you meet like doctors, um, psychologists, and um, uh, physical therapists, and nutritionists, and all kinds of people who help you to uh, get your life into balance, into balance again. Yeah. And you only pay like seven euros a day, wow. because it's like funded by the by the Austrian uh, social security. Right. And yeah, that really that really helped me because like in one, um, I talked with one of the entrep- uh, entrepreneurs there. And they told me something like bankruptcy of clients can always happen. Mm-hmm. And that really made me think, and I told myself, OK, I'm going to totally change the business model of the film production company. Yeah. I'm going to let go of the other employees. One was already quitting because he's now working with Game of Thrones. Wow! <laughs> and like uh, the other two also left. And we're going to leave the office. My partner is going to get out of operations. And we're just gonna focus on one business model that has been working for two years or one year Which was being a film specialist agency. So like we represent um, People who work behind the camera and do something very special that nobody else in the world does uh, Or very few people do for example We have a cameraman who does parkour and he can jump off roofs uh, while shooting with a 20 pound camera He's called gimbal ninja and like we do everything uh, for him, so that he can just focus on the job uh, yeah. he's doing. Yeah, and with that, we really like had got international clients like Nike, Adidas, Amazing. Samsung, Apple, all around the world. We sent him to Japan, Denmark, uh, Peru. Uh, China, wow. whatever, and by that, like, we could still maintain the brand, yeah. Rafael Studios, yeah. which is associated with, like, okay, we're working on on big projects, yeah. But actually, like, the structure uh, behind it was like only my laptop and f- smartphone. Anyway. Wow, uh,
1: you you became a, a digital like nomad exactly <laughs> overnight, exactly, yeah, crazy. And but you that meant that means you didn't you stopped bidding for commercial projects, is that right? No we ah, just okay. had
2: one criteria we said we're, we're, we will still bid but only if it's possible uh, if we know that the budget is enough that oh, we yeah, can yeah. Um, do it with the other uh, business model where we hire everyone right. and don't do it ourselves
1: so like basically
2: right. projects around 150,000 euros 200 uh, 200,000 euros right you stopped taking
1: 80,000 euro projects but we, still,
2: 80, yeah. but we yep. still didn't have a project like that we had a lot uh, like some inquiries but um yeah we either didn't win the bid or the project like the budget was too low it was yeah. like 200,000 euros but we needed like 250,000 euros right. and i really learned to look at it through and um, like um through
1: a business lens yeah so because i yeah. guess like maybe a lot of the other studios are doing the similar thing and they just got yeah. lucky they haven't had clients who haven't paid yet otherwise they probably would go bankrupt too because they're working with these very maybe, thin yes. margins
2: yeah i believe a lot of film production companies are gonna go bankrupt it's, in, it's the, crazy in the because I th- near you know, future
1: and i think you know it's a lot of creative industries is like that you know I, I did my master in design and a lot of the designers that i ended up you know studying with um, i realized that designers really undervalue themselves and actually uh, uh, don't know what they should charge and don't know yeah. very little about business actually and so yeah. this is a real challenge for i think all the creative industries mm-hmm. really interesting so um so you restructured your pro your your business in 2017 yeah to focus only on uh on on the agency side that's yes. b- being for sp- uh, film specialist, mm-hmm. and uh, and and basically you're the only employee now of that business exactly exactly so yes. you, you, you uh, does it pay you a, a good salary? Do, no, do no I-, I don't pay
2: myself any salary. Right. I use everything just to pay off the debt.
1: Right. You still have the debt. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's it's just like fifty thousand euros, but manageable, and yeah. we can do that like okay. in um, in the like in three to five years. But okay. with like ten hours of work uh, a week,
1: it's okay. Okay, that's cool. Yeah.
2: but that's when I started like the second business. That's beca- right. Because I told all our clients, okay, no, we're not gonna produce videos anymore. Yeah. But, but like I can was, teach you. Yeah, I can amazing. teach you. Amazing,
0: exactly. amazing, amazing.
2: But it was an act of desperation actually, because yeah. I had like had no money and only two years in my bank account. Yeah. I learned to uh, to bake bread because it was cheaper than buying bread. I was wow. It was really bad, and then like I wrote down a list of okay what what are my skills and what could I sell probably and I wrote down like okay I could uh, uh, teach people to play the guitar, <laughs> or yeah. I could uh, fill fill out surveys for two euros a survey. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I was super desperate, but yeah. I just made a long list of what yeah. could bring me. So bring funny! Me money. I got
1: to a similar point when I was doing my masters. I ran out of money, and uh, really? and I went on. Have you heard of this website called usertesting.com? com? Uh, no, no. You do, you do like UI, like you you become mm-hmm. basically a research subject for uh, user experience yeah. design, and uh, you just like they t- go, get, send you the websites, and you, you would like work on with the website, and you get feedback, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, you earn you know like five bucks for 20 minutes of work or something like this, and it's like, <laughs> yes. yeah, it's better than nothing. You know, you you, yes. you you say I'm gonna whatever I can earn money yeah, with, okay. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like uh, I pitched to one of our clients, okay, what about
2: we teach you? And they accepted it. Yeah. And like okay, I I wrote uh. And you a have constant. this experience as a
1: trainer, exactly. as a teacher, exactly, fantastic. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. And so I did one seminar, and they really liked it. And since then, like I've been doing like almost one seminar a week in 2017 until now, and I've been living off that. So now I'm able to not pay my salary with Rafa Studios.
1: Right, you pay your salaries. Did you create a new uh, um, company for that? Uh, a new uh, uh, sole proprietorship or Uh, yes
2: exactly Uh, but only like uh, one year ago but like now I've been running this business for one and a half years uh, I believe or almost two years but like one year ago I I, like um, registered a new business which is called Learn Phonography yeah and uh, yeah, it really went well. I've been living off that now. It pays my bills and cool. already created an online course in German.
1: Yeah, um, on Coursera or Udemy. Or Udemy, something. exactly. Udemy. Yeah. Yes. Right, cool.
2: And now we're also planning new online courses. And yeah, that's actually really cool. And that gave me energy to found a third business, which is now. And, a, and
1: to apply for a curatorship at, at for Global Shapers. Um, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Crazy, yes. yeah. Real, because like, you wanted to leave, like two years ago you wanted to leave yeah. and then now you decided actually I'm going yeah. to I wanna be a curator. Yeah.
2: And that's why I, I told all the other shapers who gave me the money, I'm going to pay you back, but they said no, it was a present, you, you don't have to pay it back. And then I said, okay, I'm going to donate it to the shapers. <laughs> and yeah, that's actually like, I thought, okay, what about, they were asking, okay, who wants to be the new cura- cura- curator? Nobody said yes. Like, and I thought, okay, why not do it this year? Yeah. Uh, okay. And like, use, pay back uh, or give back to the community yeah. um, where I really gained a lot of support. Yeah. From and yeah, do some projects and yeah. actually try to transform the hub yeah. into a team where we work on on solving problems in our community. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Really cool.
1: And you gave a talk also. I think a couple months ago, I saw that you gave a talk at. Um, uh, what is it called? F- Fuck up night. Fuck up night. Yes,
2: exactly. No, that was really fun.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because. And you told the, about the story of the the, yes. the business. Yeah.
2: Basically, this the story I just told
1: you. Not yeah. just not just in not so, in the, in, in so much depth. detail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what I want to have that to have the the the, what is it what is it called. Uh, I have the exclusive with you, <laughs> the full story. Very yeah. um, right, cool. And, and then you started a third business. Yes. What's the third business?
2: Yeah, it's a hardware startup. So we received a government grant, and I founded it with um, It's called Ninjawerk. Mm-hmm. And I founded it, it, it with two film specialists who represent with uh, Raffold Studios, mm-hmm. Gimbal Ninja and, uh, and Schwebewerk, which is a drone company. Uh-huh. And we are building a camera stabilizer for big cap, uh, cameras. But I can't tell more about that. It's just we're it's still in the building, phase. But we're building camera stabilizers. Very uh, cool.
1: Okay. So, what's next for you? You're running three businesses. Uh. You're you're curator of the Global Shapers Hub Vienna. Um, is there something else on your plate at the moment? Um, yeah, shopping cart yoga. Oh, yeah, it's a bullshit
2: uh, project <laughs> I have. But like, I really learned. Okay. Give more space to your bullshit. That's actually one my form of therapy. Yeah. I, I don't know, like, if you look it up, it's just uh, uh in German, it's Einkaufswagen Yoga, in the shopping cart yoga, a business where we push adults around in sh- while they're sitting in a shopping cart as a right. relaxation technique. And,
1: and people can actually buy this. Yes, people it, can actually buy except this. Except it's like 300 euros for 15 minutes, right? Yes. <laughs> so, it's just a fun has, project. Has, has anyone ever clicked no. the Vibe? No. no, I guess not.
2: Yeah, but, but we're having content every week. That's like, right.
1: Oh yeah, you you told me yeah once a week you out and you yeah we live stream people and on you live stream free. it and and it's this is like a scholarship people get it for free <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and you you've um, actually met potential clients through this yes is that right yeah because like
2: every time someone asks me what I'm what I'm doing it's quite complicated to tell them about like okay I have three businesses and pitch every business to them yeah. so I tell them I do shopping cart yoga. <laughs> (laughs) and pitch it to them and they're and and the worst thing actually that happens is that people have fun and like I just bullshit around with them and the best thing that happens is that they actually inquire us for for film jobs yeah Um, that's that's really cool it's a lot of fun and I really learned okay um, giving giving space to bullshit helps me to be better at the professional work I'm doing because having more fun in life, I have more balance,
1: like in everyday projects. Yeah, I I, I, m- I first met you in May this year, so <laughs> it's uh, what five months ago now, mm-hmm. and no, less than that, four months ago, something like that. And uh, I, the first impression I had of you actually was that you're this really playful guy that you that you have fun. Um, is that something that, that was always the case, or I think every
2: person, uh, like every baby, every child yeah. has that. Yeah, and then one day you learn to suppress that yeah. or because like somebody tells you no yeah. uh, and I think it's just I just rediscovered it yeah. that's the and cool. I think that's something very important like to re- really curate the child in, uh, within you yeah. and to, to not forget about it and to to give it space uh, yeah. you know? yeah. that's what I call bullshit but yeah. like the child is actually it's, something it's your inner child yeah
1: yeah if you give it space exactly. you, you feel healthier yeah. actually yeah. yeah really cool what's next yeah
2: what's next is actually i'm still i still need to pay off debts yeah on first one second one uh, with learn phonography we're uh, figuring out how to scale this right now yeah. uh, to other countries yeah. with and online courses and the third business we still have to launch a product yeah and then with the global shapers vienna we're working on the topic of filter bubbles. So, the basic yeah. idea is that um, you try, it, like most people, like I, um, befriend um, themselves with people who share the same values, the same opinion with them, yeah. and it's because that's the reason why we they are becoming our friends, right? right. Because we have a connection to them.
1: We have but the, the same pro- worldview. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And the problem with that is that they um, they become like uh, yes-sayers, is that yeah. the word? Yeah, yes-men. Yes, man. yes-men, yes, exactly. Yeah. So you you isolate yourself from people who don't have the same opinion. Right, like you.
1: and it's easier and easier to do with social media and so yes. on. It feeds you the stuff that you want to yeah. hear.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that creates so-called filter bubbles, yeah. where you only um, have one worldview in your friend circle, one uh, yeah. one opinion, one truth. And I believe, like our, our assumption in the in the global Shapers Vienna Hub, is that this leads. Or, or contributes to the polarization of society
1: yeah which we see everywhere yes especially across Europe
2: yeah, yeah. and so uh, and I also believe like that's why people get surprised by wow Trump got elected I never believed that yeah. but it, for me it's just a sign that they weren't in touch with people yeah. who who um, are feeling in a specific way that they have to vote Trump right or uh, that like also for Brexit like people not understanding why people uh, voted, voted for, for Brexit. Brexit yeah just shows me okay they weren't in touch with those people they yeah. just didn't understand
1: what so you happening? how are how you attempting to solve that problem yeah
2: we are we are um, working with a local developer team mm-hmm. um, I met Marco Hans who's um, a s- super cool guy uh, and met him at a living room concert and he pitched me the idea of Andere Meinung AT which is German for different opinion mm-hmm. uh, and it's a platform to connect people with different opinions yeah. basically it's like tinder but you uh, don't swipe uh, faces but uh, opinions right for example like you say um, is there a God Yeah. yes or no or um, is Austria better off now than 10 years ago yes or no yeah. and then you get matched with someone who has a different opinion and you can chat video chat, or uh, meet for a cup of coffee very cool and yeah that's what we're doing right now we um, we are doing it as a hub project. So together, like the Global Shape is hub, together with the local developer team. We um, yeah, went to the Social Impact Award, our finalist uh, now. And we actually launched the video today. So
1: where can people find you online? Um, on Instagram. Francis, Rafale, Francis or Rafale Facebook,
2: or? Francis Rafal. Okay. Or my website FrancisRafal.com which looks super shitty right now. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically the collection of it's just like a hub for all my projects right now.
1: Cool. Okay. So Instagram, Facebook, Francisrafal.com. Yeah. Francis Johannes. No not Johannes. Johann. Johann. Francis yes. Johann Rafal. Yes. Thank you for coming on my podcast. It was really amazing.
2: Thanks, Josh, for, for inviting me.
0: I'm ending every episode of season one with a quote. This one is from Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the one who points out how the strong person stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly while daring greatly, so that their place shall never be with those cold and timid souls, who neither know victory nor defeat. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of this conversation. Please share this podcast with other people who might enjoy it. Make sure to also leave a review In your podcast app if you can. That helps other people find great content. I don't run ads on this podcast, but there are two ways that you can support the show and keep it going. The first is by contributing directly to the production cost on Patreon. Statistically, very few people support podcasts directly, which is why most shows resort to running ads. If you want to make sure media is made for you and not to please advertisers, then I suggest you pay for media that you consume, and statistically, out of every 10,000 listeners, 200 might support me directly. If these 200 put in $20 a month each, this will become a professional podcast and will continue indefinitely. If you would like to be one of these 200 people, go to patreon.com slash joshlevent. The second way to support me is to make use of my professional services, I am a leadership and life coach. If you would benefit from some constructive conversations about your life and work, go to joshlevent.com slash coaching to find out more about my coaching services.